Welcome to Sugar Pills, a practical guide to self-care, where your host, writer, actor, and producer Candy Washington helps you live a more joyful life with a cheeky dash of pop culture news. Be sure to subscribe, leave a five-star review, and join the conversation on Instagram at Candy Washington. Let's go. and welcome back. As always, I'm your girl, Candy Washington, and I cannot wait to help you lead a more joyful life. So before we dive into today's episode, which I am sure will be a very empowering conversation with Sloan Elizabeth, be sure to like this video, subscribe to the channel, and share this with a friend because your journey to self-love and self-worth is always better with a little bit of support. Don't forget to check out everything down below in the description box or the show notes if you're listening on our podcast platforms. And also be sure to check out our newsletter, our coaching, our courses, our freebies. We have so many goodies for you to just be there as a resource to support you. So with that, let's dive right on in. So welcome Sloan. And for those of you who may not be familiar to Sloan Elizabeth, she is a holistic wellness coach and food freedom expert. She specializes in helping women release the rules, the restrictions, and diets so that they can find lasting food freedom. She uses a powerful combination of nutritional science and spiritual healing to help her clients and audience eat with love and intuition. In addition to that, she is also a blogger, author, speaker, and podcast host. So welcome, Sloan. Thank you so much, Candy. Oh, this is so fun and amazing to be here. Absolutely. I'm super excited to, to talk to you. Um, do you want to just tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into you know intuitive eating, and what your journey was to where you are today? Totally. Well, thank you for the intro. So I don't have to introduce myself. You know who I am now. And I got here because of my own journey with food and body image. So I grew up in Los Angeles and I live in Miami Beach now, but I was always like on stage performing and I actually was very confident. I had a rather normal relationship with food. My family ate, you know, we ate salads at most meals, but we also went to In-N-Out pretty often. And it was just like a really good balance. But it wasn't until I was about 17, so end of high school, that my body started to change. I started to gain weight. And honestly, I was just becoming a woman. Like, I know that sounds cliche, but it's true. And I freaked out though, because I thought, okay, that happens like when you're 13, right? Like your body changes and then that's it. But I just like went through puberty late and my body started changing and I freaked out. I thought there was something wrong. Felt like I needed to lose weight. I started feeling really insecure for the first time. And that was a very strange feeling, like going 17 years, feeling really confident. And then all of a sudden just not was really jarring. And so because I was kind of like a math and science type of girl. I wanted to approach nutrition from a scientific, real way. So I went to Pinterest and I went to Google. <laughs> 100%. No, right. Because that's what you do. That's, that's what you find do. Science. Yeah. yeah. So I found a lot of diet culture stuff and I thought it was real though. Like, mm. you know, you should prioritize berries instead of bananas or mango or pineapple because those have too much fruit. Mm -hmm. Like those sorts of 
little rules that then became all of these micro rules that I had with every meal. Um, I felt like I had to eat every three hours for my metabolism, which is just not true. So even if I wasn't hungry, I made myself eat something. Um, So it was like a combination of restricting, but also eating when I wasn't hungry. And it was just a total mess. And I felt really out of control. I felt really confused because I, I, I didn't know what I was doing wrong. Like I thought that that was correct. I thought clean eating was the way to go, but it was really restrictive. It was really impacting my, my social life, my confidence, just my ability to like go with the flow. And then when I went to college, I realized, okay, this could get really bad. Like I could develop a full on eating disorder if this continues going on this way. And I really would prefer for that not to happen. And so, you know, sometimes it it is a conscious decision. Sometimes for people it's not, but for me, it was a conscious decision to say, okay, I'm going to heal. I'm going to figure this out. And so I started with the science piece, like actually understanding biology, actually understanding metabolism, actually understanding nutrition. But but wait, before you get into that, because I think it's, I think it's important to pinpoint or at least talk about, because I think this happens to a lot of people in general, but of course, women in particular, it's like when you turn 17 and you realize your body was changing you know, some people are like, oh, my body's changing. That's okay. It's my body. No big deal. But some people are like, my body's changing. And just like you said, you start getting insecure. You try, you start wanting to figure out how can I change it back or how can I keep it small? How can I keep it this way? Do you know what was the source of that insecurity? Like, I know for me, it's like same exact, you know, kind of journey, you know, total quote unquote normal, whatever. And then you hit a certain age and you're like, Oh, I have boobs. Oh, wait, yeah. one minute. Wait, I have hips. I have thighs. What are you talking about? Right. But for me, it was because I'm seeing, you know, actors being really, really thin people on social media being really, really thin, or maybe like within your family, it's like, Oh, we have this body type or whatever. So do you know where that insecurity came from, where you started to not accept your body for just how it was naturally? Yeah, such a good question. And understanding that route ended up being a very important part of my healing journey because just learning the science didn't help. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Right? Like knowing the science behind fructose metabolism kind of helped a little bit with like the banana fear, but not really. Uh And so for me, it was really about control. Exactly. Yeah. The science is, if I can control it, then I can, I can, I can change it. It's like this illusion of power, which the opposite of that would be self-acceptance. So Mm -hmm. instead of trying to control what I eat, I'm supposed to eat every three hours, even though my body isn't hungry, I'm going to force myself to eat something that I probably don't even want to eat, but it has the macros. It has the, it has the, that. So I'm going to force myself to do it because I'm controlling this outcome rather than I'm going to listen to my body. I'm going to be intuitive. I'm hungry right now. I'm craving something sweet. Well, maybe I won't go for like the full brownie, but I'll get like an apple. You know what I mean? So it's just like listening to your body and and being in tune with it rather than trying to force and control. Completely. I love that. And that example is so accurate. And I also realized that I was controlling so many other pieces of my life. And food is often the medium through which these deeper subconscious self-limiting beliefs are expressed. 
So really for pretty much every single client that I've worked with, none of them really are dealing with food issues. They're dealing with other issues that are expressed in food. 100%. So Mm-hmm. Control, perfectionism, self-worth, self-love, lovability is a big category. Safety, right? Like if you don't feel safe in your body, I've worked with a lot of women who have had different like medical things go on that feel like traumas. And so then when they no longer feel safe in their body, they don't know how to listen to their body. Why would you trust your body if you don't feel safe in it? Because your body has betrayed you in the past with illnesses. So. Yeah. Not about the food. So when people say, okay, well, I'm stress eating. How do I stop stress eating? They expect me to say, okay, Candy, here are the five ways to stop stress (laughs) eating. Here are the five tips. I don't say that. Instead, I say, well, what is stressing you out? Exactly. Why is that stressing you out? And if we can deal with that, then the eating is kind of a moot point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because eating will clear mm -hmm. itself up. It's like, Anything where you're, you want to really cure the cause, not the symptom. Because if you're just curing symptoms, they'll just pop up again or they'll pop up in a different way, right? So if I'm stress eating, then the eating is the symptom, but the stress is the cause. So how do I cure the cause of what it is? Because Mm -hmm. if I just do the eating, well, then maybe I'm going to start stress smoking, stress sex, stress drugs, stress drinking, shopping oversleeping, undersleeping, whatever it is, because the stress is still there and the stress has to manifest some way, somehow until you dissolve the stress. And that's how you take away the power of the stress is when you dissolve it through however you want to do it. Yeah, totally. And I think there's another layer of yes, dissolving the stress and well, what's going on where you aren't dealing with the stress? Like there's something around not feeling safe to express your emotions, feeling like, right, this avoidance, this hiding, feeling not capable of dealing. And that I see a lot also. So it's like, yes, let's, you know, if you're stressed out about work, let's help you to be calm about work and see, you know, that everything's under control. So we can deal with that, but also why aren't you dealing with it? And that's another (laughs) question mark. Yeah. And then, and if we can handle both of those, then you're golden. And yeah, the eating part doesn't even really come up again. However, I will say that I do love empowering my clients with information about gentle nutrition because for me, it's not just about food freedom and saying, yeah, I, you know, am guilt-free and eating whatever, whenever, like that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And I would love for, you know, everyone listening, watching all of my clients to know that you can also be intentional about how you take care of your body and how you nourish it without going into diet culture, without it becoming obsession. It's still a beautiful thing to be able to take care of your body in the way that you want to and like to feel physically healthy as well. So yeah, it's not about food, but we get to bring in some of the food stuff too. A hundred percent. And how do you start to to cultivate that intentional and intuitive relationship with food? Like, how do you, how do you go about it? Like, what are some things that you should notice? Like, what are some of the signs that maybe you don't actually have a healthy relationship with food that you may not even know because it's just how you operate? Like, for example, with me, I know that I realize sometimes I would feel guilty just for eating 
Mm-hmm. Like not even overeating. Just I just sometimes I would just be like, if I had you know pasta with it, I would just default to feeling guilty or or I can't believe I'm eating the pasta with this. Not yeah. now, but like back before my own personal healing journey, I would feel guilty for just eating, not even overindulging, just for mm-hmm. like having food. Yeah. So, what are some of the other signs that you might not have the healthiest relationship with food? Love that question because a lot of times people don't know or they think it's normal because diet culture is so normal Mm -hmm. and they see their mom dieting, they see their friends acting the same way, and then maybe they stumble upon someone on social media and they're like, oh, oh, shit, like that's what I'm doing (laughs) or like that's bad. So if you're thinking about food a lot, that is a very telling sign. I think about food when I'm getting hungry or I'm excited to go to a restaurant or, you know, oh, what do I want to make for dinner? But then I'm able to move on. I make a decision, I think about it, and then I move on. If you're not able to move on, that's a sign. If you are waiting until a certain time on the clock to eat, like Mm. you had breakfast, you typically eat lunch at 1, it's 1130 and you're hungry and you don't let yourself eat. That's a sign, right? And these are like kind of small, right? The bigger ones would be, you know, binging or overeating, you know, often or even once a month. I don't know. That doesn't feel good, right? So any sort of overeating, any sort of restriction where you are counting calories, counting macros, and not allowing yourself to get full, I feel like those are bigger ones that hopefully – you would know. Sometimes there's a struggle with admitting that you need help and that's kind of a separate thing. Um, But, you know, not eating something because it's not clean enough with the ingredients or obsessively checking the nutrition labels or having anxiety when you go to a restaurant because you're worried about the type of oil they're going to use. Like these are more of the signs of orthorexia, which is what I was struggling with. It was like all these micro little rules that were creating this energy of lack and scarcity and restriction. So those are some, those are some signs um, feeling like even just with body image, right? Changing your outfit 20 times, not wanting to go out and socialize because you're like, oh, I just don't want to deal with getting dressed or I don't feel good. Not wanting to take pictures and like avoiding being in your body. Um, sometimes even avoiding working out can be a sign of body image struggle because you just don't want to focus on your body at all. Don't want to be in your body and would rather just dissociate and distract and do other things. Yeah. So I, I so you brought up orthorexia. Now is that the sort of creating like a rigidity around your eating schedule, like having like the rules and the restrictions and the diets and almost making it ritualistic in a way. So I think that the technical definition is less about the ritual and timing and more that, you know, there's a certain definition for anorexia, which, you know, you have to be restricting. And sometimes people, doctors will look for a weight reduction, which is not actually required for anorexia, right? Yeah. Because you can be at a quote normal BMI, even though BMI is BS, or Complete even BS. Yeah. Right. You could even be quote overweight and have anorexia. So the weight thing shouldn't really matter. But orthorexia is more the obsession with being healthy. Okay. And that obsession and needing to healthify everything, right? Like zoodles instead regular pasta or never having white sugar. It has to be maple syrup or coconut sugar or else you're not going to eat it. 
right? Like you're not necessarily restricting your intake, but you're restricting ingredients out of this pursuit of being as healthy as possible, which is why it's so common because it's a slippery slope, right? Like you can be on this track of like working on your health and wellness, which is beautiful, but then it can get too far. And that's a question that a lot of my clients will ask who are, you know, interested in wellness. Maybe they even are nutritionists themselves. I've worked with tons of healthcare practitioners who are like, I want to be healthy. I don't want it to turn into restriction again. So where's that gray zone? And it's totally a place that's a beautiful place to get to, but it takes awareness and honesty with yourself to make sure that you're not going down that slippery slope into restriction again. 100%. I also think that's very glorified in like the wellness culture. Mm -hmm. It's almost like toxic positivity where it's like, oh, I'm eating so clean and this is all organic and this is, you know, table to farm and blah, 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 blah. And all these like buzzy, very like with cultural words, right? But it does, you're right. It becomes almost cultish and it becomes very, um, restrictive and obsessive and it's the opposite of you know what you what you teach your clients what we're talking about which is freedom because you're still not free totally (laughs) and I think the the goal is like what like what you're saying the goal is to yes you know eat healthy have the optimum health but also have intuition intentionality and freedom around your relationship with your body and with food So if you're doing this path of like obsessiveness and this sort of like cultish, clean eating, wellness, you know, all the hashtag stuff we have going on on Instagram right now, you're still, you're still a slave to, slave to it rather Mm -hmm. than being the, the operant power of what you're doing. You're being a slave to something, um. So I love that you're that we're talking about this and I love that you're talking about it because I think you're right. You know, we kind of see this stuff glorified on like TikTok and Instagram and all this stuff. And we think we're just, you know, a part of a movement. We're yeah. just getting super clean, super healthy, but we're still not having a healthy relationship to ourselves, a healthy relationship to food and a healthy relationship to our body. And we're still listening to other people or things, diets or agendas over what our body is telling us what it actually needs. Completely. And it is so nuanced because even for myself, someone who practices holistic nutrition, like I believe that superfoods exist. There are some intuitive eating practitioners that are like way on the other side of, you know, eat all the packaged food. It doesn't matter. I think it does matter. (laughs) But I also believe that we have the power to almost like alchemize food. So right. Like if I'm eating an Oreo, I kind of, you know, and it's not like this intense ritualistic thing, but I'm like, okay, I'm setting this intention that like all of the beautiful nourishing parts of this Oreo that are going to make my heart and soul so happy are going to be received. And any of those chemicals that, you know, maybe <laughs> the most nutrient types for my bodies, I'm just trusting that those are going to be alchemized into love. And this experience is going to be just exactly what my body needs to receive from this Oreo. No. So, yeah, yeah, that's how I, that's like one way that I find that like nuanced balance of yes, caring about nutrients and caring about holistic health. And like, I, I think there's a lot of toxins in our environment and in our food system, 
but I love Oreos. Exactly. So eat the Oreos when you want to. But that's the thing, though. Like, I love that you and I love that you brought up the Oreo example because Oreos are vegan. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of that whole oxymoron where it's just like, yep. you know, I'm a vegan, but like Oreos literally they're they're vegan and look what look what's in the oreo and how people sometimes villainize oreos but even to your point i think you brought up to me one of the most powerful points because i love that you also do like spiritual and and holistic um stuff when it comes to eating in your body and your mindset is there's a reason why we bless our food you know there's a reason why like it our energy, our intentionality can, just like you said, it can alchemize, it can change the energy of what we consume. So very similar to what you do, I do, um, I just, I, I focus more on like my body. And I always just say to myself, you know, no matter what I eat, drink of, or consume, my body uses it for the highest good and releases everything else. So I give my body the power, right? Because it's like, I don't care if it's Oreos, I don't Mm -hmm. care if it's spinach salad, my body knows what to do, right? My body knows that whatever I give it, my body knows how to take whatever I give it, use whatever it is for its highest good, and it easily and effortlessly releases anything else. So it can just just release it out, right? Because my body knows what to do. And because, but it's getting to that place, like you're saying, of trusting your body more than you trust the outside noise. Yes. You know, more than you trust the diet culture, more than you trust that, you know, model with the thigh gap, more than you trust the Kardashians, more than you trust whatever. You you trust your body that, you know, my body knows what to do. So if my body is saying I'm hungry, well, then I'm hungry. Hmm, what am I hungry for? Okay. You know, and it's just mm-hmm. like having that relationship, almost a dialogue with your body where it's not the mind-body disconnect, but it's more the the mind-body working together. You know, talking to your body. What do I need right now? You know, some things that I do is like a full body scan where I'll just say like, oh, those are my toes. Those are my Mm feet. And I just kind of go through my body and I'm like, what do I feel right now? What's aching? What's hurting? What needs this? What needs that? You know, just checking in with myself because we do it mentally you know we do journaling we do meditation we do prayer we do all of that but we can't forget that there's also you know this physical being that we're in and that's the the, the blessing of our temple of our body and we can Mm -hmm. check in with our body too so I, I, I love that yeah I love everything that you just said, and I couldn't agree more. And with the connection to your body, as you're saying, like the mental piece is so important, but the physical piece is important also. And I find that sometimes when talking about eating intuitively and healing body image, some people like oscillate between those extremes. Sometimes people are way too connected to their body and aren't connected enough to the divine in their higher self. And then sometimes they're like way up here in woo-woo land and exactly. just kind of like living in this meditative state, which is beautiful. But then they like forget to eat, for example, mm-hmm. right? Or they're not intentional about their bodies because they're like, eh, the human part of me doesn't really matter. What matters more is like my higher self. Well, Sorry, but like you're a human this time around. So probably a good idea to take care of both and to, yeah, not just have the intuitive eating healing be about your mental health. Mental health is 
essential and it's so important. And I personally believe that the physical health, the mental health, and the spiritual slash emotional health, all three of those pieces are equally as important and deserve equal nourishment. So Mm -hmm. the Oreo nourishes my spiritual body. Um, It also probably nourishes my mental well-being when the that's what I'm in the mood for. And okay, does it really nourish my physical body? Not really. But if it ever gets to the place where, okay, I'm eating like 20 Oreos and now that's a detriment to my physical health, that's when it's no longer aligned. So I believe that not every single food or beverage has to like check the box for all three pieces, but it would be ideal if it didn't detriment any yeah. of those pieces. And maybe it's neutral for some and positive for others, right? Like alcohol might be another one, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're with your girlfriends and like you're drinking margaritas or rosé and it's just such the vibe, right? Like that <laughs> yeah. be really nourishing for your soul and your emotions and maybe your mental health for that moment in time. Is it the most loving for your physical? Probably not. But then when it starts to become the detriment is hopefully when you stop. And understanding when to stop when it becomes a detriment is part of the journey of having that dialogue with your body and being open to that communication, being open to the cues so that you can learn because it's so personalized. So being able to learn and trust, as you're saying, is so key. Yeah, because usually when you're overindulging or under, it's because there is the disconnect between the mind, body, and, and, and spirit. And you're almost like on autopilot because yeah. your body isn't craving 20 cookies or Oreos. It's your mind trying to distract itself from something else through the over or the under eating. Mm-hmm. And there's the disconnect because your body would probably be saying stop, <laughs> but you're not mm-hmm. even listening to your body because your body knows when it's full. It's just you're trying to distract yourself, you know, that's why it's like, oh, I'm emotionally eating right now, you know, instead of understanding your emotions, you're you're trying to distract and, and numb yourself, whether it's through like the martinis or it's throwing Oreos, you're trying to numb and distract yourself from what that emotional part is, you know? Mm-hmm. Completely. And I have a lot of clients also who have experienced like binge eating or overindulging, overeating, and then they start restricting and we're trying to get them to not restrict anymore. And they say, well, if I listen to my body, I would never stop eating. That's what my body's asking for. The answer is no. No, that's not what your body's asking for. It's not. It's not. And it can be a scary leap to take because – Sometimes, especially if you don't have guidance, if you don't have help, you will likely go into another phase of overeating just for your body to readjust to abundance because you've been in a lack and scarcity space. And until you can trust that abundance is the norm and that there's an abundance of opportunities to eat those Oreos, there's an abundance of Oreos. They're not going anywhere, (laughs) right? Until you believe that abundance, you're going to be stuck in that lack scarcity mindset. So that's also why I say, you know, always get a coach, get a therapist, get help because you're just going to get to the food freedom space so much faster. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be less oscillating between, okay, but restricting, okay, but then overeating, but now I feel triggered and I feel like I've messed up. So let me go back to restricting because I didn't give myself enough time to trust myself and to actually do the healing work. Because again, it's not really about the food. No, it's not. And and I feel like 
when you were saying that, it's almost like you're punishing yourself. Like, oh, you know, I ate this much. And so now I have to eat, you know, 20 times less than that. It's like almost like a punishment. It's like you're just, you're being mad at yourself and you're punishing yourself because you think you have to be perfect at it or you have to get it right or it has to be X, Y, and Z. So are there any other ways that you see people sort of like punishing themselves around food and their relationship to food? So much. And it also is really rooted in the self-judgment and Mm self-sabotage. And self-sabotage is often a root of, you know, the relationship with food not being healthy. Um, And it it seems counterintuitive at first because there are some people who believe they don't deserve to feel good on some level. They believe this. And so even if they're consciously Mm -hmm. saying, I don't want to binge, they're going to. Because subconscious mind runs the show and subconscious mind says, well, you don't deserve to feel good. So we're going to make you feel like shit and you're going to keep eating. So the self-sabotage is super big. As you were saying, like, you know, compensating with Mm over-exercising can be a way that people punish themselves or by, you know, skipping breakfast if you overate dinner. Um. Or, yeah, just not letting yourself eat and saying, okay, well, you're going to have to wait or you have to be stronger and just tough it out, keep pushing through, whether it's, you know, I'm going to just keep working until lunch and push through or Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep going through this workout even though I feel exhausted and depleted. (laughs) And it's exhausting and it is painful. And uh, the mental, like, self – punishment and like beating yourself up is also really big, right? Just thinking, oh, I've messed up. Oh, I'm not good enough. Oh my God, this is never going to work. I got to start over again tomorrow. I've already messed up. So F it. Let's just keep going because like today is already a bad day and tomorrow will be the time that I, you know, get back on track. Like these are such (laughs) common dialogues mentally. And what are some ways for people to reconnect with their body? Because it seems like, um, people are like binging over under, you know, punishing themselves because they don't really, like we've been talking about, they don't actually have a compassionate relationship with their body. So what are some ways for people to like reconnect? Like I'll do like my body scan, but what are some other ways? Yeah. So for me, it really starts in the subconscious mind because, you know, doing a body scan, I love that. And at the same time, it's an action, like it's an activity to do. And a lot of times people fight action with action. So if they're binging, they say, okay, we'll do something else, do a meditation, do a body scan, you know, go for a walk to distract yourself. And those things might help, but we want to understand why the binging is happening in the first place. And that originates from the subconscious self-limiting beliefs around perfectionism, control, self-worth, self-sabotage. So before we can actually change anything, we need to understand where it came from. And we all have blocks. Like it's hard to get into your subconscious mind Mm -hmm. because it's subconscious and you're not fully (laughs) conscious of it. Um, So that's where like coaching or just a third-party perspective can be really helpful. But in terms of the connection, well, why are you not connecting, right? Again, instead of here are five tips to connect to your body, it's Mm -hmm. Connecting to your body is your birthright. So it's not about teaching you something new. It's about unlearning a lot of stuff. So when did you start disconnecting from your body? 
When did you start learning that you should disconnect, that it was safer to, to disconnect? Or when did you learn that you weren't worthy? And that is probably something that happened when you grew up. Or sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's not, you know, during that like a zero to seven age range, which is when your subconscious mind is developing. I've worked with women who are like, yeah, it was totally fine until I was like 30. But oftentimes there are some sort of like root beliefs in the subconscious from childhood. So that's what we want to understand first. Can we identify the root? It's okay if there's not a specific memory of when it happened, but you'll likely see it was modeled to you by a parent or just something that was taught to you. And so we want to unlearn that. We want to release that. We want to heal it and show you that self-love is your birthright and you were born with self-love. It's not, it's something that everybody has, something that everybody can activate. Just some people have more stuff on top of that that's blocking them. So that's the first step. It's really more of like an excavation. Yeah. So maybe we could do like, to do like journaling prompts, like, Mm -hmm. because like when you were talking, like some things that came up were like questions to ask yourself would be like, you know, if I had the ideal body, this is what I think would happen. Blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. Or the fact that I don't have my quote ideal body, this mm-hmm. means that I am this. This means that I'm not that. Blah, 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 blah. Yes. I'm afraid that if I blah, get the ideal or get this or that, that this will happen. Because it's funny, because one thing that I learned on my um, personal healing, healing journey is that sometimes we're actually, what we're most afraid of is actually getting what we think we want. Like it's actually like getting the the body or the look that you think you'll get or the money or the success or the relationship or whatever it is. And the reason why you're not manifesting it, the reason why you're not, you know, taking the steps to get it, because the, the actual block is a fear of what's going to happen when you actually get it. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes that's actually the biggest block, not so much you're blocked because you want it. But the block is, I'm actually afraid of what's going to happen if I get it. Yeah. I remember learning that also, especially around like money, fame, success. 100%. And it blew my mind. But there were fears there of, you know, not being able to relate to people mm-hmm. anymore, being different, having too much attention, being seen but too seen, like that not feeling safe. So you're totally right. And with the journaling, right, let's say that it's, um, okay, because I don't have the body, what does that mean about me? Okay, well, that means that I am not beautiful, Mm -hmm. okay? According to who? Oh, well, like society, Okay. And who else? Well, maybe my mom also Mm -hmm. wouldn't think I was beautiful. Okay. If she didn't think that you were beautiful. Cool. Okay. Let's, let's agree. She's not going to think you're beautiful anymore. Then what? Well, maybe she wouldn't love me anymore. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's less about needing abs and more a fear that you are not unconditionally loved and lovable. Exactly. Yeah. So then let's say, okay, we agree that that's the root, right? And there might be more layers to that, but we can say that's the root. Okay, so then how can we show you that in the current body that you're in, without changing a thing, you have all the proof and evidence in the world that you (laughs) are unconditionally loved right now? Yeah. 
I, before we change anything, and I am all about body autonomy. I'm actually not anti-weight loss. There are a lot of intuitive eating practitioners that are anti-weight loss. That's not me. I don't think you should diet. If your body Um, wants to lose weight, let it lose weight. Exactly. (laughs) The whole thing is about not having restrictions. The whole thing is about letting your body evolve authentically. And if if your body, because honestly, I think when you start being connected to your body and start eating intuitively, you're naturally probably going to lose weight. If you've been overeating. If if you've been over, but then if on the other side, if you've been on the other side, you might gain a little bit. Yeah. Precisely. Yes. And so, so many people though, they just want like, okay, well, how do I do intuitive eating for weight loss? Not the right (laughs) question. (laughs) Yeah. You're still in the wrong mindset. Yeah. If your goal is just to lose weight, you, you, you're still missing the mark. Yep. Completely. Yeah. And let's say that it's evident that your body wants to release weight. Okay, great. Well, still, it's important to do this deeper self-love work first and say, okay, great. So what if you could love yourself now and you could love yourself when you eventually release the weight? Like, why wouldn't you want that? Why wait? Exactly. So yeah, like, okay, your body's going to change. You're going to get there and you're still here right now. And when Mm -hmm. you instill those subconscious positive beliefs that you are unconditionally loved and lovable now, then as your body changes, your self-love won't fluctuate. Because even if you release weight now, you might gain, you might lose, you're going to get older, your body always changes. Yeah. And if you're, if you're, you know, self-love and your belief in yourself and your confidence is just tied to external validation, other people, or how you look, then those, that self-love will always change as well. And we want it to be constant if possible and like rock solid, no matter what happens, no matter what you look like, no matter who's around you, no matter the compliments or the attention that you're receiving. 100%. It's like the the self-love aspect and the, you know, cultivating that relationship with your body and mind and spirit, that has to be its own end. Because sometimes, just like you said, it's usually a means like, oh, well, you know, how can I do intuitive eating for weight loss? Or how can I do self-love to manifest a man? You know, or it's like to get my ex back or whatever it is. It's like, no, 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 no. Like the self-love, it's its its own end. You do Mm. it, you do it for itself. And that's the foundation You're not learning to love yourself in order to get somebody else to love you. You're not learning to, you know, eat intuitively to like lose weight or, you know, get the butt or get the abs. You're doing it because it's its own end. Totally. Loving yourself, it's it's its own end. And that in its, in its, everything else is just a byproduct, but it shouldn't be an end goal. Mm, You know? I love that. Completely. Yeah. And there are a lot of amazing byproducts. Yeah, right? exactly. Exactly. There's a lot. So, so when you're many. doing it with the wrong intentionality, like, oh, I'm going to like, you know, work on myself to get my ex back. No, no, no. You're still putting your worth on the external thing mm-hmm. where it's like your worth has to be your own internal thing. Yeah. And then as a, then once you're from this place and you're radiating your own love, then of course you're going to be this like magnetic energy field to attract the right thing to come to you, whether it is that healed body, whether it is that, you know, long lasting love, whether it is the money, success, fame, or whatever you, or whatever it is, 
but it has to come from that authentic glow, that authentic love where your intentionality was, I'm going to learn how to love myself unconditionally and without apology, because that is my divine birthright. Mm, totally. And then when you come from that place of just personal power, that is when you become magnetic because that is so attractive. When somebody walks into a room and they don't need anybody to co-sign them, they don't need anybody's validation, they show up fully as they are, that is the sexiest, hottest, most attractive, most whatever person you want to have. And it has nothing to do with how they look. You know, it's the essence of like that je ne sais quoi. It's like, there's just something about them. Mm-hmm. And it has nothing to do with how they look. No. It's, oh, it's the that. internal energy and power when you show up and you say, who I am is enough. I validate mm-hmm. myself. I accept myself. I love myself. And that is enough. And that is the most attractive energy you can ever show up with, whether it's trying to get a business deal, whether it's trying to get you know, your partner, whether it's trying to get your body, you don't have to have six, like a six pack, you could just show up and people still want that, that you have, Mm -hmm. you know? Oh, yes. And I love, I use the word essence also a lot. Mm, I love it. Yeah, because it's like, oh, it's hard to put it into English words. It's hard to put it into language. It's like a yummy feeling, like, Okay. I love that you said that because I was coaching a client yesterday and she was saying that, you know, she's really, she always looks forward to mealtime. She's always thinking about food because food is so like yummy. And (laughs) for her, we're working on helping her see joy and pleasure in other areas of life and not just relying on food. And so I said to her, I want you to write a list of other experiences and things that are just so yummy and delicious. And she looked at me like I was crazy. I was like, <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean yummy? I was like, okay, well, like a warm, cozy blanket with your pumpkin spice candle. Yes. That is a fucking delicious oh, that's experience. a delicious experience. Yeah. And that is the energy that we're mm-hmm. talking about, right? Yeah. With, with food. Um, and incorporating the spirituality into food with your appearance, with how you show up, with attracting a partner, a relationship, with having an experience. A conversation can be yummy and amazing and nurturing yeah. and nourishing. And it's just – it's all about energy. It's all about energy. And, and I love that you said that because it's always about what is the feeling that we're actually after? You know, she wants she wants that feeling of – of yummy, but she, it's really comfort. Mm-hmm. She's finding comfort in the yumminess and the deliciousness of the food. And you're saying, well, what other experiences do you have where you find that comfort, that yumminess, you know, sitting with like, like you know, your blanket and your candle and your, your notebook and you just yeah. yummy, delicious. I had a very similar thing with um, this one woman that I coach with and we were talking about, you know, like wealth and abundance blocks and like what, what blocks from, you know, going from where you are to where you want to be. And I was like, I don't know what this disconnect is. And she's like, well, you know, she's like, affirmations you're using aren't really working. What's the, the feeling you actually want. And it's funny because this is what we're talking about. Um, she goes, what you really want candy is freedom. 
that's what you really want. You want to be free. You want to be free to do what you want. You want to be free to get what you want. You want to be free without any of this other stuff. And mine, it was around like money abundance blocks mm-hmm. where it's like, I can hit this plateau, but I can't get here. Yeah. And I was like, why can I get to the next level? And she's like, well, because you're trying to envision something that doesn't really resonate. But what you mm-hmm. really want is freedom. And so she gave me the same exact exercise you did. She goes, Throughout your day, you know, when do you feel free? And when you feel the most free, I just want you to affirm, I am free. I love my freedom. Thank you, God, that I'm free. And for me, it's like when I'm out, like, on a jog or a walk and I'm out in nature, like, in this morning, I was, like, out for my jog and I looked up and there was just, like, this huge, I don't know what kind of tree it was, but it was just, like, if you just think about, like, a a tree and it's almost, like, the most magical tree you could ever see i don't know why i never saw this tree before it was huge and it was green and like the sun was peering through and i took my headphones off and i was just like i am so free i was like thank you god for my freedom i am freedom and it was just like that feeling because what i was chasing was the feeling of being free Hmm. and i needed to find those moments and cultivate that in a firm in my subconscious mind through repetition I'm free. I'm free. I love being free. I am freedom. Thank you, God, that I'm free. Thank you, God. I'm as free as this tree. I'm as free as the sun. I'm as free as whatever. And I would just go throughout my day and just like reaffirm that I'm free because that was actually what I was seeking through success, money, abundance, career, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. I was, I was doing all of the things to control But what I actually wanted was freedom. I love that. And that I can just, I can imagine that tree. Nature does the same thing for me. I'm a Taurus. So, mm -hmm, Taurus sun. So that totally resonates with me. And this is separate, but the same activity actually I give for body image and confidence. Because Mm -hmm. if you can find things that you're, that make you feel confident outside of your body, like, okay, I'm a really good piano player. Or I feel really confident at work or at school. Like I'm really confident in my intellectual abilities. And you can affirm and notice your confidence in real time in the moment and just turn up the volume on that confidence. You get used to the energy of confidence. You're putting out the energy of confidence. Whether you're confident about piano or wearing a bikini, it's kind of the same thing, just a slightly different flavor. And so the more that you practice the energy of confidence in general or the energy of freedom in general, the easier time you're going to have attracting the other flavors of confidence or freedom with your body or with money. And it's all the same because it's all just energy. So I love, love that activity. 100%. And she was spot on because it was just like, that's what I wanted. I wanted freedom. And then I'm Another thing that I thought about, like, while we were talking is also, like, gratitude and appreciation for body, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, like, um, like one thing I did when I was learning to, like, accept and just, like, love myself just, like, as I am was I would just say to my body, particularly to the parts where I had been conditioned to hate, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, my God my thighs look like this or my arms look like that where in reality they're totally fine they're totally normal they're beautiful they're functioning but as society and as like family structures teaches us if you don't look like this type of body Mm -hmm. you're not 
stereotypically what is beautiful or desirable, right? Mm. And so I started to say to myself, like, you know what? Thank you, thighs. Thank you, legs, for carrying me today. Thank you, arms, for, you know, letting me pick this up. Thank you, eyes, that I can see. You know, thank you, lungs, for having my breath. Thank you, heart, for beating. And so when I started just, like, thanking my body for all of the little and the big things it did for me, I got such a different appreciation for my body, yeah. such a different appreciation for it, where I was just like, wow, like, my body is effing amazing, you know, like, my mind woke me up this morning, you know, my feet mm-hmm. took me on my jog, you know, and, like, when I do that when I'm out in nature, I'll be like, you know, like, thank you, God, for, like, the breath, air in my lungs, thank you that my heart is beating, thank you for the sun on my skin, thank you that I can feel this fresh air, And you don't realize how much you take for granted and how much energy and time and and just all of it that you waste on hating or being dissatisfied with this beautiful being that you have. Our bodies are phenomenal. When you think about it, our bodies are freaking phenomenal. It's actually insane, especially (laughs) when you study like biology or organic chemistry. Phenomenal. Mind-blowing. Phenomenal. The fact that we're sitting here, I'm thinking, I'm looking, I'm touching, I'm feeling, I'm talking, I'm digesting, I'm breathing, you know, all of it. My my blood is flowing. My it's pumping right now, you know? Our bodies are phenomenal. And when I love the work that you're doing with your audience. I love the work that you're doing with your clients because you're teaching us to remember just how badass our bodies are, you know, just to appreciate it. You know, it's like amazing. Our bodies are amazing things. You know, if we choose to be mothers, our body holds life. Like it's unreal. I know. know? It's amazing. I love that. And it's so true. And I really think also that this lens of gratitude and appreciation is a flavor of love as well. And so if you're struggling to love your body, you feel insecure, you don't like your body, you don't like your thighs, you don't like your arms, and you cannot imagine loving the way that they (laughs) aesthetically look, forget aesthetics. Could you love your thighs through the energy of gratitude and appreciation? And could we let that be enough? Could it not be that you have to love the way that everything looks, but you could still approach your body with love because you appreciate it? And that can be a really beautiful stepping stone to loving your body. Feels a little bit more approachable than going from hate to like, oh my God, I feel so hot and gorgeous and sexy (laughs) in every single thing that I wear. Exactly. 100%. And even, um, a precursor to that, I had to, I had to just say even like to like God, to me it's God, but some people use divine, universe, energy, you know, intelligence, source. Wh- whatever source, you know, whatever resonates with you. But when I was very like really starting on my journey, I would just say, you know, God, I'm open to learning how to love myself. I'm open to learning how to accept myself. Mm. Like, will you show me the way? And so I think it's like getting that divine guidance and support just by being open to it. Cause it just mm-hmm. like, j- just like you said, I couldn't go from hating to love overnight. 
from yeah. like one affirmation. It's a process and it's a journey. And just like you said, get the help, you know, reach out to Sloan. She has her clients reach out to somebody to help you with that. But Sloan, totally. this has been an amazing conversation. I've gotten so much out of it. I'm sure everyone who will be listening and watching this will have too. So I have just two more questions for you before we wrap it up. The first is, what is one kernel of wisdom? What's one little, you know, nugget of inspiration or insight that you want to leave us with? Either something we've talked about or something new. And then the second is, where can we find you? Where can we connect with you? Where can people, you know, reach out to you for coaching? And of course, everything will be linked below in the show notes and the description box. But I also want you to tell us where we can connect with you. Perfect. Okay. So I can't believe we're done already. I feel like we've been for hours. <laughs> <Not> forever. <laughs> so, okay. A kernel of wisdom. I mean, I feel like hopefully everyone can re-listen and take a bunch of notes because this has been so valuable. I guess the one additional thing I would say is everything that we've talked about today is possible for everybody. So many women tell me, okay, I see all of your client testimonials and results and that's great for them, but I don't think that I could do it or I don't think I could hold myself accountable. I don't think I could ever get there. It's not true. Every single person has this freedom as their birthright with their body, with food, even with money and abundance and (laughs) all of that beautiful stuff. So if you want it, which hopefully you do because it's your birthright, you can have it. Um, so that's that's that. And then I mostly hang out on Instagram and my handle is Sloan Elizabeth, which is my name. I'm on TikTok. I have a website, which is Sloan-Elizabeth.com with all the different offerings. And on my Instagram, you can find the links for all the different coaching programs I have. Um, some of them you can sign up for. Some of them you can apply and we can have a chat and see if it's even a good fit. Um, and then I also recently launched the Sloan Elizabeth Show, which is a podcast. So if you Yay! want to add another podcast to your weekly round up. Um, definitely recommend that one talking about eating with love and intuition, but also just living with love and intuition. I love it. Yay. Thank you so much, Sloan. I know that this has been healing for me just to talk with you. So I'm sure everyone who's listening and watching, it has been healing for them as well. And as always, thank you everyone for listening and for watching. Check out everything down below in the description box for courses, coaching, free resources, how to connect with Sloan. Be sure to like, rate, and review the podcast. Like and subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. As always, take care of yourself and each other. I love you. Bye. Bye. Welcome to Sugar Pills, a practical guide to self-care, where your host, writer, actor, and producer, Candy Washington, helps you live a more joyful life with a cheeky dash of pop culture news. Be sure to subscribe, leave a five-star review, and join the conversation on Instagram at Candy Washington. Let's go.